Is this I'll use that. How's everyone doing? Is this on? Good? Can you guys hear me? All right. Um, so this morning, my wife was cooking some chicken, and uh, she was boiling some chicken in the water, and, um, and she forgot to turn it off. And she went and took the kids, and I kind of slept in a little. Today was my rest day. And I got up, and literally the whole house was filled with smoke. I mean, it was like fog. I couldn't even see my hand in front of me. So I somehow wrestled through the, through the fog and turned the, uh, the, the pan off and put the pan outside, opened all the windows, and man, I'm telling you, if you hug me today, you could probably smell it, but I smell like charcoal. Uh, and it touched everything in my house, like my clothes, every room. There isn't a room that doesn't smell like burnt charcoal. Even my clothes, I feel like burnt charcoal. I could smell it right now. And uh, God was teaching a lesson that uh, today, the Holy Spirit wants to touch every part of your life. The sun burn we're going to get today. He's going to be touching, I believe, every part of your life today. And, and I want to share something that, that's dear to my heart. And I think we're kind of in the same place, our church, uh, Living Hope and Living Water. And we're going to learn what it means to have a purpose. And um, I just saw a movie called Hugo. How many of you guys saw the movie called Hugo? Yeah? No? Nobody? Okay. Somebody took me to go see it. And not to give away the whole plot, but uh, it, it was just amazing film. And basically, Hugo is an orphan. And he said this one line that, that really blew me away. He said, if you're not living your purpose, you're broke. And in response to that, the whole movie is centered around this, this mechanical toy a shape of a boy and it's broke and he can't live his purpose and um so today we're going to look at that and we have some um whiteboard here we're going to look as well too so um would you turn with me to today's text all right there you go thank you we're gonna look at romans chapter one verse one we're just gonna look at one verse today romans chapter one verse one romans one verse one Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. All right, let's pray. I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to go into the Word. And Lord God, I pray that you will speak through uh, your servant. And Lord God, that we will understand our purpose, our calling, who we are as sons and daughters of God. We pray, Lord God, that this message will speak truth into our hearts so that we will know our identity, who we are as the children of God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 1. We're just looking at one verse today. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. I encourage, if you're taking notes, please take notes, and, um, so you can look over it later. Romans 1, verse 1. Let's read together in unison. It's only one verse. Thank you very much. Romans 1, verse 1. Here we go. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Let's read that one more time, just one verse, okay? Here we go. Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So what I want to do here today is I want to, um, thank you very much. I want to break down this verse because this verse is rich, full of truth, 
And as we break down just this one verse, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at the original Greek word and why Paul particularly chose, have chosen that particular word in this verse. And as we break this down, we're going to find out who we are as a child of God. So the scripture says, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So the scripture says here, Paul, there's no doubt that Paul is the author of this book. Many scholars agree that Paul is the author, but look what he says. He says he is what? A servant. Servant of who? Christ Jesus, right? Now what's interesting is Paul uses a particular word here that is unique for this word call. In Greek, it says here that he is doulos, Christos, Jesu. Now, this particular word is interesting because doulos means servant or slave. Now, I think most of us, when we often think of servant, we don't really understand the biblical understanding of that text. So let me put kind of in light of what he's talking about in the context of the people at that time. Did you know during those days, 80% of household had slaves? It was a, a common practice among people at that time. So when Paul talks about being a servant or a slave, everyone understood. Everyone had a slave or everyone had a servant. And, and the reason why there were so many servant systems in those days is because, there, number one, there wasn't like a jail system that we have in America. So, if, for example, if, if you stole something from somebody and you could not pay them back, you were often, if not sent to prison, you were often had to serve as a servant or slave of that house. Or if you bought a land and you could not pay back the land, often what the household would do is that they would take their children and sell them as servant or slave to pay off their debt. So it was a system of paying off debts. It was a system of, 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 of really understanding that everyone had a servant or slave. But in the Jewish custom, there was the year of jubilee. And the year of jubilee was that every 70 years, all debts were returned. So if your parents sold this land because they were in debt, when the year of jubilee came, they had the right to possession that debt back, the land. And that also worked as a servant and a slave too. So if you were a slave because you sold yourself because you were in debt to that person, when the year of Jubilee came, they were returned back as not as a slave. I'm praying for year of Jubilee in America where our debts are completely wiped off. No more credit card debts. Amen to that, huh? No more mortgage. But unfortunately, it doesn't work in America. <laughs> but the, the reason why I mention this is because Paul uses a particular word to describe the servitude he is who, of Jesus Christ. He uses the word doulos. Now, the word doulos is translated often as a bond servant. But basically what bond servant is, unlike every other sermon, they were purchased with the price for life. You see, the thing that we're doing here, the race that we're running, it's not a seasonal thing. I'm not a Christian for a season. Or when things are going well, I find myself to be a servant. We're here, we're on this for life. We are a bond servant of Jesus Christ. And Paul understood that. He understood that he was purchased. Not for a season, 
Not for a temporary time, but for life. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. But he also says, not only do los Jesus Christos, but he says, I am called, what? To be an apostle. He says, I am a servant, but I am called to be an apostle. And this particular word call is unique as well for Paul as well too. Because he uses the word kletos in Greek. The word kletos literally means to be invited for a meal. Now, we have to understand and picture this, what it means to be called into ministry. You see, Paul, he's a servant of Christ, but he is called to be an apostle. You see, I'm a servant of Christ, but I'm called to be a preacher. Some of you are servant of Christ, but you're called to be a father. Some of you are servant of God, you are all servant of God, but some of you are called to be a mom. Some of you guys are called to be a shepherd. Some of you guys are called to be a small group leader. Some of you guys are called to be a worship pastor, worship leaders. We all have a different calling, but to understand the proper understanding of God's calling is to understand that that definition is to be invited into a meal. Let me give you a broader picture here. All right, let's say, for example, that Pastor Benjamin, he, you know, Let's say I do an amazing job. People get saved here today. We're repenting. The Holy Spirit falls. He hears about it. He invites me to his house for a meal. So Pastor Benjamin and Sonny, they're at Safeway. They're shopping all day because they want to prepare a meal for me that I'll never forget. So they're shopping at Safeway. They're just, you know, picking up everything. They woke up 8 in the morning. They spent all day till noon shopping and cooking and cooking. Finally, at 3 o'clock, I'm invited to his house for a meal. I open the door. I walk in. Man, I'm telling you, the aroma was just, it was so pleasant. I knew they spent all day cooking that meal. So what do I do? I come and sit down. And I eat with them on the table. A meal that they prepared. And you know what, you know what I do once I'm done? I go home. They're stuck with cleaning up. The understanding of when God calls you into ministry is a beautiful image that God has prepared a table for you. And God just wants you to come in and feast with Him. It's such a wrong mentality that I have to bring something into the table. No, the table has been prepared for you already. There's a joy of being invited to someone's house for a meal. Amen? I'm hoping maybe today when I, I finish, some of you guys will be delighted of the message I preach. Maybe you're going to say, hey, brother, come to my house small. I will cook you a nice breakfast. You know what I'm going to say? Praise the Lord. I will be there. <laughs> there is such a joy being invited into God's house to eat. But we have flipped things around. You see, Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm called to be an apostle. But you know what we have done is we have become servant of our calling. How many of you guys understand what that means, huh? I understand that. I'm a preacher. That's my calling. But let me tell you, I'll be honest with you. There are times on Sunday, I didn't even understand what I was talking about. <laughs> Come on, you admit it. You've, you've attended service and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> there are times, I'm not joking, I have three services on Sunday. So there are times I sit down, I'm like, oh my goodness, can I do that all over again? I don't even want to talk to people. And you know what happens to my spirit? I get discouraged. It's like, man, I can't believe I just, I just blow it. I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm just like, I just want to go in my car and hide. What has just happened? I became a servant of my calling. How many of you guys understand that? 
How many of you guys understand what it means to be slave to something that as God has called you to do? Share a little bit about my testimony. I'll share just a little bit. But I planted a church nine years ago. And it was one of those journeys I don't recommend. I, some of my students here, because I teach church planning class in a school of mission, and I don't recommend doing this, but I did it the foolish way. I thought I could do it by myself. I had no one help me for the first time. I planted a church in Berkeley, and I was on this journey by myself, and it was hard. I had no church support, no financial support. So the first two years, I worked as a janitor so I can put food on the table, living on a welfare, planning this church. Two years, within the two years, I said, I can't do it anymore. I was cleaning the toilet. I sat down in the toilet and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And suddenly the Lord speaks to me. I don't know, Scott speaks to me on toilets. I don't know, maybe God speaks to you in some other place. But God spoke to me that, that night. I sat in the toilet and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I heard the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord said this, go take picture. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Have you ever heard God's voice? It just doesn't make sense in the beginning. It's like, go take picture. Because it didn't make sense to me because I was not a photographer. I had no idea what picture looks like. I didn't even own a camera. But I knew God, what God was telling me, start a business as a photographer. So you know what I did? I bought a camera on Craigslist. I spent a couple hours reading how to take pictures on Google.com. And I started my photography business to make the long story short. Within two years, I was voted top 10 national best photographer. Incredible. I still don't know how to take pictures, but incredible. I, I was so good. I won many trophies and awards, and my work's been published. People who are in Art Academy getting their master's degree in photography would email me and say, Hey, James, I, you know, I saw your ranking. Is it okay if I shadow you? First, I had to look up what the shadow mean. I didn't understand what shadow. <laughs> I had no idea what it. Finally, I knew, oh, he wants to follow me. Okay, I will shadow me. Okay, right. And I said, yeah, come. And it was funny because we're taking pictures and like we're at this one place and he comes to me. He goes, you know, James, I noticed in the backdrop, you know, it's a couple stops darker. So I was thinking putting aperture at 2.8 and the shutter speed at 600. And you know, I just want to see, you know, what do you think about that? And I looked at this young man. I said, I concur. I had no idea what he was talking about. But I began to make so much money as a photographer. Incredible. Within three years, I was making half a million dollars a year. So I, you know, I, I, how many of you guys ever, how many of you guys understand, like, you make so much money, you don't know what to do with? Okay, nobody here. Okay, well, that happened to me. So you, so you know what I did? I bought a $1.5 million home for my wife. The biggest home in the area, sitting on a hill. Nobody in back, back of you, nobody in the left of you. I bought an $80,000 Audi. I bought an $80,000 Cadillac for my wife, SUV. We go anywhere we wanted to go. But I'll tell you what happened. I became enslaved to money. Now, don't, 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 don't be fooled. doesn't matter who you are or where you are. When sin comes into your life, it corrupts. Absolutely. So I began to be enslaved by my calling. But God said, I want, I want you to give it up now. And I said, what? Yeah. He said, I want you to give up the photography and just shepherd my people. 
I said, that's not from God. <laughs> There's no way. Look what God has provided. Don't, don't assume because you have blessing that it's from the Lord. Because I became servant of my calling. You know, you know the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? You know, for a long time, I didn't understand why one was named and one was not named. Because Jesus' parable, all of them were either named or not named. You have the older brother and younger brother. But only in this parable, we have the rich man and Lazarus. I didn't understand why one was named and one was not named. And you know why? I finally understood. Because when you take riches out of this man, his identity is gone. So he, either he's a rich man or nothing. And what I understood is like, I was called to do this. To take beautiful pictures. And man, if you ever go on a mission with me, I take the most beautiful pictures. I had newfound understanding of my calling as a photographer, as an artist. But I became enslaved by it. God has called us to be a servant of Christ and called to our, our whatever calling God has done. But what has happened in my life is it turned around saying, James, servant of my calling. I wonder how many of us feel that way. We feel inadequate. That's not a spirit of sonship, it's a spirit of orphan. Because God has already prepared a table for you to come and enjoy. God says, come and feast with me. There are lies of how ministry is burdensome. How many of you guys can understand that, huh? That's a lie. No one's going to be overwhelmed if I say, come over to my house and I'll cook you good, some good steak. No one's going to say, Pastor Jim, I am burdened to come over and eat at your house. <laughs> Those are lies from the devil. If you feel that way, it's because you now are a servant of your calling. You're not experiencing freedom of the joy of being called into the house of God to serve God and His people. There's nothing more joyful than that. Look what Paul says. He says what? I am a servant of Jesus Christ. My calling is to be an apostle. Then what does he say? I've been set apart for the gospel. Now, we have to understand this. This is important for us to understand. Now, the word set apart, the root word comes from hagias, which also can be translated purpose. And this is what Paul is saying. Though I'm a servant of Christ, though I'm called to just do this amazing that work that God has done, but that is not my purpose. If you make your calling, your, as, as, if you become enslaved by your calling, or if you make calling your purpose, mm, you're going to fail. You are broken. Your purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is your purpose. If you don't understand the difference of making your calling and your purpose, you will live out your calling thinking is your purpose and you will always be disappointed. I was, you know, I'm going to get a little personal because I like to do that when I preach. You know, I, I've been a pastor, a pastor for a long time, for almost 25 years. I know I look young. <laughs> 
but I've been a pastor for a long time. And I've been, when I first started ministry, I was 25, 21 years old as a youth pastor at a church that I got saved in. Then I became, went to the Bible college, came back to the church that I got saved in, and started to work for the senior pastor. In the beginning, it was always good. Man, when you start ministry, it's always good. But in the middle, he always seems to be disappointed in me. No matter what I did, it just wasn't good enough. And I even find myself trying to please him. Aim to make that my purpose. To please my senior pastor. I always look to the side, see if he's seeing me, uh, making sure he, I do everything he wants me to do, and I'm always disappointing him, and I'm always disappointing myself. In fact, for eight years I served under his ministry, and when I was about to leave, the words he spoke to me says, this man has served eight years under me, but we'll see what kind of man he is when he leaves. I didn't realize how much this has impacted me. And therefore, everything I do in ministry... In the back of my mind, I want to be successful so he can be proud of me. He made it my purpose. So I began to grow my church, and he grew. But I grew in a way that didn't matter who I hurt. I just have to grow it so that when he sees me, I have a big church, he realized I made something out of myself. And then, a couple of years later, he passed away of cancer. And the first thing I thought of is, how will he see that I made something out of my life? And I began to just really repent. We did a series in our church called Transformer. We're a young church, we use these names, Transformer. <laughs> and lesson number one, we learned. You are far more wicked than you think you are. And unless you understand that you're far more wicked than you are, you'll never be see transformation. I used the illustration of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You guys all know that, right? At least some of you guys have seen the movie. You know why he's called Mr. Hyde? If you don't know what the book is about, Dr. Jekyll, who saw this good and bad, so he wanted to split the bad and good, so he made this potion, so at night he became Mr. Hyde, you know, Mr. Hyde where he killed people, and in the day he became Dr. Jekyll. You know why his name was Mr. Hyde? Because number one, it was, he was, he, uh, he was, what, the reason why he was called Mr. Hyde is because he was hidden even to himself. And what we learn is that you are far more wicked than you are, and sometimes we lie to ourselves how wicked we are. We're only saved by God's grace. So be transparent. In this community, there has to be Transparency. Or relationships are shallow. I see so many churches that have shallow relationships because you can't be transparent to yourself. And I realized when he passed away, my purpose was to please him, not to God. And I left my calling as my purpose. So when someone left my church, I took it personal. When someone criticized my church, I took it personal. I was enslaved by my calling. Maybe some of you feel that way. Maybe you've been given a ministry. And maybe you heard from the side someone say something negative about your ministry. 
and then you take it personal. It's because you made your calling your purpose. What is your purpose? Our purpose is that we've been set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Our purpose is the gospel. That is the, why, the reason why I live. That is what we do. It is because the purpose is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Gospel is this. You are completely lost. There is no righteous in you. And because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and because we've accepted Him as our Lord, that we are considered righteous. Nothing we have done. Nothing we've earned. We are simply by God's grace. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to understand that your purpose is that you are enslaved. You are a Adopted, adopted, now you are sons of God. Your purpose is just to be a son. To be loved just the way you are. And when you don't understand your purpose, you're always trying to find your identity in other things. You find yourself identifying with who, what you've accomplished than who you are as a child of God. You find your identity on the things that people say you're good at, you're calling. That is not my identity. Mm-mm, don't do that to yourself. Allow God to speak truth into your life. Just find your purpose as a child of God. A child who is not loved for what he has done. A child who is not loved and accepted for her, her or his own accomplishment. Just because he loves you. So I do a lot of marriage counseling because my church is very young. Average age in my church is like 25. So we, we are in a period where everyone's getting married. <laughs> so I do a lot of marriage counseling. And I always do a little, you know, I always try to trick the guy, you know. <laughs> I would have the guy and girl sit there and I would ask the guy, I said, so what do you like about her? The guy tried to be really smart. And say, well, you know, I really like that she's pretty. Yeah, what else? What do you, what do you like about her? Well, I really like that she's, she's really smart and, and, and she's really beautiful. And he says all these great things and you see the girl like, oh, you know, <laughs> happy. And then I would say, what if she's no longer smart? Well, then the guy tries to, you know, correct him. So, well, you know. At least she got the beauty for something, you know, I don't know. And I said, what if, what if she gets an accident and she's no longer beautiful? What are you going to do? Stop loving her? And he's like, what's the answer? There's only one answer. Love must be its own rationality. Its own reason. That's how Christ loves us. He doesn't love me because of what I do, my calling. He loves me because I'm just a son. And we must be empowered by that. And that's why in the book of Romans says, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm just love. I'm just his son. <laughs> I, I started ministry when I was young. 21 years old. 21 years old. How many of you guys are 21 here? Yeah, 21. I was a youth pastor at your age, graduated from Bible college. So, you know, these some students, they're excited, they're on fire, they're ready to change the world. I was 21 years old when I was first called to ministry. And I I remember going to this, you know, big church. It was one of those big churches that had, like, I think, like 10 services every Sunday. You know, it was a huge church I was called to be youth pastor to. And, And they had this one, like, ritual 
which is that they had, there was like 10 pastoral staff, and, and it was a Korean church, so it, it did a lot of Korean church things that they do. And, and one of the things they did is that when the service is over, the last service, so the last service starts at like 7 and ended like 9, when the service is over, none of the pastoral staff can go home until the senior pastor goes home. I actually like that idea. <laughs> And what we had to do, because it was a Korean church, is that we would all line up, the senior pastor would go, and that we would all bow, and he would leave, and we would lock up and go. So, you know, I knew nothing, so I just was obedient, and just, you know, I would be the last person to go. I was the youngest, so youngest have to go around all the building, make sure everything's locked. That was my duty before I go home on Sunday morning. But this one particular Sunday, the, the pastor didn't go home. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And the pastor still has not gone home. I was like, what's going on? It was like 12 o'clock. The pastor is still not going. He's still in his office doing counseling. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe this. My day started like 8 in the morning. You know, I'm tired. I pick up the guitar. I'm just playing. And then suddenly we hear this loud noise coming from the pastor's room. It's like, rrr, rrr, loud noise. We didn't know what was going on. So, like, all the pastor staff kind of got up and went to the door and started listening into the door. Because there was this loud noise coming out of the senior pastor's room. Remember, we can't go home until he goes home first. So we're all listening. Suddenly the, the associate pastor opens the door. Man, you're not going to believe what, what we saw. Now, my pastor is short. He's shorter than me. I'm short, but he's shorter than me. And he literally, there was a lady laying on the couch. He had his left leg covering, holding down the leg. He had his left hand holding down. He was literally strapping her down because she was possessed with evil spirit. Now, I just graduated from Bible college, and no Bible college ever taught me about demon possession. <laughs> And not only that, but this lady, I'm not joking, there was 10 witnesses there. This lady tongue came out this far. And everybody walked in and started praying for people except me. I was like, it's like, no Bible college would ever prepare me for this. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And suddenly, the one of the pastors says, come, help us, help us pray for her. I was like, okay. So I went in, I grabbed the safest part of her body, I grabbed her toe. <laughs> I, I grabbed their toe like this and I tell you I can tell you exactly what my prayer was my prayer was this help me Jesus help me Jesus that was the only thing I was praying for I was like help me Jesus 15 minutes later Jesus help me help me I was so I was so like her tongue was all like this. I was like, oh my goodness. I, I, I couldn't believe what I was saying. I was just like, help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me. <laughs> and then, and then I thought to myself, okay, okay, maybe, you know, we got some man of God and woman of God around me. It's been like 30 minutes now. Maybe the demon's gone and I'm like, I can go home. So what I did is I, I went and I, I looked to my left to see if the demon's gone. Look at her face because tongue was like this. And then, I'm not joking. And then, she turns around and looks at me face to face, eye to eye. And she says, who do you think you are? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know. Help <laughs> me, Jesus. I was like, what am I doing here? She looked at me and she said, who do you think you are? And I said, I don't know. Oh, Jesus, help me. What am I doing here? And suddenly in that moment, I'm not over-exaggerating, in that moment, the Holy Spirit began to come and fill my heart and says, you are a child of God. All my authority has been given unto you. But there is no fear in you because you are a child of God. And suddenly, there was something in me that 
wasn't there before. There was no more help me Jesus this time. I got up and I looked at her. I said, in the name of Jesus. I was jumping up and said, in the name of Jesus. There's nothing, you know, you can do to me. If I am purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm yelling at her. I said, there's nothing and there's no fear in me. All the pastors were like, what are you doing? <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus because I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And when you understand that, there is such an empowerment in how you live. You are no longer living as an orphan, enslaved by your, your calling and trying to find your identity in things that you're good at. But you find your purpose and your identity as a child. And it empowered me. And I begin to live my identity. I begin to understand who I am. I want all of us to be empowered. To live with freedom. How many of you guys want to live that way? I do. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to find peace in areas still that I have not given up, and I'm trying to give those things up to the Lord too. But now I understand I'm a child, and no one can take that identity away from me. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again. A slave to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High. And not because of what I've done, because what he has done. I used to think the gospel was the milk of theology. But now I understand the gospel is not just the milk, but it's the main course. It's the dessert. It's everything. Whatever area that you're struggling with is because you have not sowed in the gospel in that area. Because Paul says, I am a servant of Christ. Called to be an apostle. But set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's live the gospel. Let's live the gospel in our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Yes, Lord. I've been told that there's no altar call, but I just feel like some of you may be wrestling with the spirit of orphan. And trying to find your identity in other things than God. I see discouragement here in the room because you feel like you're not living your purpose. I see tiredness, the lies the enemy has put in our heart. But let's live the gospel. Let's live the gospel, Amen. We're going to go in a time of worship. But I want to ask you, I want to challenge you today. Are you living your identity? 
The word worship comes from the Latin word, worth, shape. Then the idea of worship is that whatever you find worth shapes you. Whatever you find worth in your life shapes you. If you find money is the most important worth in your life, the money will shape you. But if Jesus is where you find your worth, mm, Jesus will shape you. Where do you find your worth? Where do you find your worth? Are you finding in Jesus? Or are you finding in your call? Are you finding your worth? And who Jesus has called you to be? Or are you finding your worth in what you're good at? Find your worth in the gospel. May gospel penetrate every part of your life. Karl Barth, mm, a great theologian, probably one of the greatest theologians of this century, was one day asked, what is the most profound statement you could tell us before you pass away? There's a man who spoke several languages, written several books, the one known as the greatest theologian of the world, and here he is interviewed and saying, what is the, tell me something most profound statement you've heard in all these years of study. And this man, he was 80 years old at this time, I think it was Billy Graham who was interviewing him, looked at him and leaned back and started to sing. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong yeah hmm and then he sang yes Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Can we sing that together? Hmm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells. Sing that one more time. Sing that truth into your heart. Oh, yeah. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. May that truth, may that truth be your purpose. For everything that you do, the reason why you work, for that purpose. 
The reason why you serve is for that purpose that Jesus loves me. And if you're overwhelmed right now, I'm getting dry. It's because you're not living your purpose. You're not living your purpose. You are broke. 